welcome to Coaching the Coach. I'm your host, Pete Townley, for the Upstate Performance Project. Hello, all. Turn the music down a little bit more. Hope everything is going well today. Back with another mobile episode. Um, as you can probably guess, I'm on the way back to South Carolina. So I spent the last week in Kansas with my kids, which was great. My daughter graduated high school, which is insane, but I could not be more proud of her. Um, I know she's excited for her next step in her journey off to college. Um, but my son, uh, my youngest son, also had a birthday this week. So a uh, big week for the Townley family. Uh, so I'm heading back to South Carolina to get back in the gym. Um, today, our episode, um, we're going to talk a lot about leadership. And um, I'll give you some examples, some stories, and what I think you need to do to be a good leader. Uh, before we jump into that, I wanted to reiterate or uh, mention again something I brought up in the last podcast, which is our program for former athletes. We don't have a nifty title for this program. The program is not necessarily a set program that everyone's going to follow. It's more of a of a template. Uh, the way we write our workouts are going to be very similar to what a former athlete is used to, uh, taking into account that we need to ease them back into that intensity and that competitiveness. So if you are a former athlete, you've been out of practice for a little while, you've been out of working out for a little while, and it's time to get back into shape, check us out. We, we have a really good foundation for training former athletes back into, uh, for lack of a better term, fighting shape, right? Now, they, these athletes may not be getting back on the field or, or, you know, doing their sport again, but they miss the competitiveness and they miss the intensity of the workouts. They may not want to you know, go quite as hard as they used to. Some of them do. Some of them can, some of them can't due to injuries and whatnot. But again, dealing with injuries, uh, again, leaning on my athletic training background, my strength and conditioning background, um, Chelsea's being a former athlete, getting back into uh, highly competitive shape again. These are things that, that we have extensive experience with, and we want to make sure that you... If you are a former athlete and want to get back into that kind of shape again and have those aspirations of training like you used to, because when you used to, quote unquote, uh, that was when you may or may not have been in the best shape of your life. I mean, we're, th- we're talking like, you know, when you were in your competitive days as a, as a collegiate or a high school athlete, you may have, that may have been when your physique was the best or when you felt the best, most capable, the strongest have the most endurance, whatever the case may be. Uh, We are experts at getting you back to that level, dealing with however long you've been out of shape, previous injuries you may have had, so on and so forth, uh, and how to incorporate that back into your current situation where instead of having practices and stuff, you've got work and maybe kids and spouses, things like that. But also at the same time, adding in that competitiveness, which we know drove us athletes in the first place. So uh, hit us up, give us a a shout, and we will help you out with that. 
Um, that being said, we're going to jump right into today's episode. Now, the format recently, uh, the last three or four episodes, I've done, um, I've posted, you know, I've had my new format that I like with the our normal coaching the coach segment, a little story time, uh, adding in some research, and then a little bit of motivation. Today, I'm going to kind of mold or meld, we'll say, the uh, the story time and um, coaching the coach segment into the same. There is no research today. Again, I am driving, and I just did not do any reading this week in terms of research. So, uh, a, a few new ones I want to talk about, but I again, I'm driving, and I don't have that in front of me, so I don't want to misquote anything. So, we'll get right back to that next week. So, today, leadership. Now, first, first things first, leadership can mean a lot of different things, and, and it could... If you're a coach or a trainer or maybe maybe you are a clinic director and you're leading a team of people, uh, whether it's in the service industry or you know wh- wherever you are, it doesn't matter really. Anyone can use these leadership skills and start to think about and evaluate how well you are leading and how well you're set up to be a good leader, right? Now we've looked at this before we've talked about it in terms of you know just leadership styles like where you know some people are the you know uh the vocal cheerleaders just trying to get people motivated and to to do their best and push hard and and go through it which is which is great we've also talked about the people who are super quiet don't say much but just constantly do what's right and constantly do what's needed to help the team uh move forward also, very important. Uh, should we say there's a good lesson to be learned from both? Sure. But there's many more leadership styles. And again, my goal today is not to go over just leadership styles. What I wanted to talk about, and I wanted to do this through some th- some stories of my own, is to kind of really look at what it means to be a leader. And, and I want to start out by saying this. When... When I think about being a leader, and if I sit here and I think, am I a leader? Or more specifically, am I a good leader? I could I could easily say I'm a leader. I, I, I own a business and I have people that work for me. So I, I lead them, right? But I also have a lot of clients and, and gym members that you know I could lead by example. I may not be right there with them every step of the way through their workouts if they're open gym members. But our gym is small and intimate enough that we do provide that community aspect. And they they look at me and they look at Chelsea and they look at Brandy and they look at Jaime and they uh, looked at Ingrid, although Ingrid is moving on to Tennessee. Uh, I think it's Tennessee. I could be wrong. Uh, her and her husband are moving closer to home as they expect their twins, so good luck to them. But it, as people look at our team, they want to see us leading by example, right? We talked about how to be a good trainer and set that example, right? You know, you're, when you're talking with your clients, you don't want to enable them. You've got to be that firm rock and hold them accountable because, again, that's what they're paying you to do, right? But a lot of that has to do with your habits as well. So when we're when I'm looking at myself and saying, am I a good leader? Or am I really a leader? Or when, when do I know I'm a leader, <laughs> right? Because I've been in positions throughout my career where I've been the head 
so and so, the head, you know, uh, wellness director or um, head strength coach, uh, lead professor. Actually, it was it was uh, uh, division chair. Uh, so the, these certain positions, which are you know leadership positions, in, in the sense that. Um, I'm at the top and there, there are people underneath me and of course there's people above me as well but I have a team of people that report to me and then I get that information and report it on or I'm making programmatic decisions and then I have people, a team to help me carry that that out for the betterment of the company or the group or whatever so in, in the basic definition I, I am a leader of people uh, in terms of just job description, right? But that doesn't necessarily make me someone that people want to follow, want to know more about. And again, this isn't about me, so I'm, I'm not necessarily going to go through this podcast talking about me personally. I just want to share some experiences and some thoughts that I've had that maybe you guys have had. Specifically, you know, as I've gone through my career and had these leadership positions or these these um, head or lead or director positions. You're like, okay, so when do I lead or how am I leading? What am I doing to lead, right? I'm just doing my job. Does that mean I'm a leader? And so people should just automatically follow whatever I do. I think the one mistake I've made, and and, I, and this, is, this is probably the crux of what I want to talk about today, is just getting there isn't enough. Now, I say that particularly isn't enough. I was listening to a podcast today by a gentleman named Chad Wright. It's the 3 of 7 Project podcast. Great stuff. Go check it out. Um, but their their podcast from a week or two ago was, you know, failure isn't enough. Or not failing isn't enough. They're talking about how people in their teams that they're training sometimes set goals when they, when they know it's a hard task of they just don't want to fail. That's their goal. So if they get through the assignment or they get through the, the day and they didn't fail, they consider that a win, even though they didn't really push themselves to do their best, right? And so using that you know, metaphor or that, that comparison, if I show up and I do my job every day as a director or as a head or an owner or whatever, uh, and you know I, I pay people on time, I... I, you know, do the payroll, do the, do the um, uh, uh, benefits, whatever, whatever it is we're talking about, you know, and I do all my administrative work, I, you know, check in on people, I make sure that my team is doing what they're doing. If I just go through the steps day by day of my job description and I do them, and let's say I do them very well, it's kind of like getting a, a, an eval, you know, like a, a, um, a progress evaluation or a performance review. A yearly review, and I get a, a you know meets criteria. Well, that just means that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Great. I may not get a raise for that. I might get a hey, nice job, thanks, keep it up, and that's all I need, right? Because that's I'm being paid to do that, but I'm not going above and beyond. Above and beyond that would obviously be you know doing more, not just more work, but more work that leads that team forward or that progresses us forward. So if, if, if we're looking at like a, a, a grading scale on a performance review, d- doing a three might be meets expectations, which is basically like you take the job description, is this candidate or this, this employee doing that? Yep, good. 
They get a three. Now, they might get a four and say it's a five-point scale. They might get a four if they're also jumping in and you know adding in new ideas, uh, giving me ideas, giving the boss ideas, or, or uh, doing things that are uh, outside, above and beyond your job description that benefit the program or benefit the team. Uh, for example, uh, when I was at... Um, at the YMCA, one of the things I did above and beyond, we'll say, was adding in some programs that were not already there. A sports performance training program. We added a, uh, a, a mud run, you know, an activity. These are things that were not in my job description to add, you know, adding programs like that, but it was something that I did to, to g generate revenue that wasn't there, so create new revenue streams, but also uh, give more opportunity for our members to interact and participate. So these were all things that were going to benefit and, and bring in more money. So that may give me a four, right? So what gets you a five? Well, a five is you, you're doing something that completely changes the culture for the better uh, of that company. You change something, how something works fundamentally from the core that that leads them to the next level. And, and I could give some examples of that, but I'm getting too far off from my, my point here. The point is, if I just show up to work and do my job as a leader, as a director, as the head of training, head of department or whatever, and I do everything I need to be doing, that's good, but that's not enough, in my opinion, to be considered a leader, right? That's being your director, job, being whatever. A leader doesn't necessarily have to be the head person, doesn't have to be the top dog. So I'm speaking to a lot of you personal trainers right now that might work at a corporate style gym. Or maybe you even work in a uh, uh, boutique personal training studio like, like Upstate Performance Project. But you're not the owner. You're not me. You're not Chelsea. And you can still be a leader, right? And you still can get other people to not just to follow you just for following you, but getting people to do their best. And again, I'm gonna start by saying that a leader is someone that gets the best out of their team. And so that's gonna be a lot of different, it could incorporate a lot of different things, but it's not just someone that, um, you know, motivates people. Not someone that's just a cheerleader. It's someone that looks at the situation, comes up with a plan, and then utilizes their entire team to achieve that plan. So again, let me let me use a great example. I'll go back to the, my why example. That's my, my last biggest leadership. I, I'm a leader now at my gym. We're a very small team. It's a little easier there. So talking at the why, I had 100 plus employees under me. Um, so, one of the things that you, you have to do is, you know, if, if this, if we're instituting a new program, I'm, I can't do it all by myself, right? Because a lot of it's going to be like I have to make copies, you know, it's ba very basic stuff of, of any promotional material. I'm going to have to disseminate the information and explain it to people. Well, that's, again, one person can't do all that to a 17,000, 18,000 member gym. So, I'm going to need a team of people. So, when you are assembling your team or when you have a, a team, 
you need to look at those team resources and utilize them the best. And a leader does that effectively. And when the job gets done well, every yeah, most of the praise goes back to the leader, right? And sometimes people think that's unfair. But the thing is, that leader, that person who delegated and got the job done by utilizing the resources was very effective because they empowered people around them to do their best. For example, when I was at the Y, new programs. One of the things I'm not great at is, is all the small details. It's not, it's not that I can't do it. It's not that I can't think of them, but I get, my head goes to the big picture and I, I just want to look at like, what, okay, what could we accomplish? What's realistic? What can we do? Here's the basic skeleton of what we're going to do. And then, then all these little details start coming up like, okay, promotional material and training staff and all these things. So then I need someone on my team that's really organized. So I had Brooke. Brooke uh, was my uh, one of my full-time staff at the Y that she was my detail uh, expert. She was amazing at that. I'm sure she still is. And the thing is, if I needed something done and I needed uh, to be done on time and to be done well and done how I wanted it, she was perfect at it. But she also would take the initiative to make sure she's correcting any spelling errors that I might have in some original copy or she might you know, put her own little flair to it. And, and that was great. We, I wanted to empower her to take that position or take that duty and then do it to the best of her ability. Meanwhile, my other full-time employee, Billy, uh, who who has now recently been promoted uh, to wellness director of, of his own Y, which is awesome to kind of see that pro, uh, progression from him. Um, he was what I would say the man on the street. So if I needed information to get out to all of my other employees and members, if it's a program, he was the guy. He was so personable. And and I would say more personable than myself. Like I could get out there and talk to people. You guys know me well enough to know I like to talk. But I'm talking about Billy could get out there. He just had this smile. He could connect with anybody. And it was a skill. It was a gift that he had. And so if I needed to get the word out about stuff, you go to him. So I had this team, my full-time members. And then, of course, I cannot forget Lori. Lori was my group exercise director. So she was in charge of all the group exercise instructors, which was the lion's share of my total employee base. Um, I don't remember exactly how many instructors we had at one time, but it was, I would say, 80-ish to 90-ish, somewhere in that range. Um, So... Getting the information out to them, I would go through her, but also they were a lot, those individuals were a lot of times the people that were going to be the practitioners of what needed to be done. So a lot of teaching and coaching and setting up uh, training, I, I knew Lori was really good at that because that was her job within that realm of training all of her, or getting, making sure all of her uh, group instructors were trained on the newest Les Mills programs or some of the other programs that we had. So when I roll out a program and it succeeds, it wasn't just me. It may have been my idea. 
I may have done a lot of the groundwork and the the birthing of the idea, but I could have never pulled it off to its fullest extent without my team. But again, selecting the right people in your team to do the right thing based on their strengths seems obvious, but a lot of times it goes, you know, counterintuitive because maybe I could have had, uh, you know, Billy and Lori switch, switch places or Lori was also very detail oriented. I could have had her do what Brooke did, but I knew that each one of those was a little bit stronger in those areas. And that's why I put them in those areas. That's why I would have them do those particular jobs. So looking back, I would hope that in my time at the Y, especially those three individuals who, who I probably interacted with the most um, in terms of job performance, would consider me not only a leader, but a good leader in the fact that I could delegate and I could get the information out and get the best out of everybody. Because again, I think that's a huge uh uh, proponent of what it is to be a good leader. So what else are, do we need to have to be a good leader? You also, again, not only needing to know your team's strengths and weaknesses to get the best out of them, but also knowing when to motivate your team and, and team members. So again, when team members aren't doing things you know, that they need to be doing or aren't doing performing as well, when to step in when to back off, when to not be a micromanager, right? So let me use another example from the why, um, is my, my former boss who I do respect very, very much. Um, and, and I think if, if he was on the line with me right now, uh, we would have a really fun conversation about this. Uh, he, he was my boss and he, told me one day that he he knew he was a, a jerk <laughs> uh, intentionally, right? He was being a jerk to me to ride me so hard that I would never forget to do some daily little checks that he wanted me to do. Uh, you know, checking the upholstery on the machines, uh, making sure things were put away. He had a certain vision. He was the overall director, so he had a certain vision of what he wanted the wellness area to look like every day when we opened. And that was very, very, very important to him. And I totally understood that. I got it. I knew what he meant. I knew why he meant it. What I didn't like was being micromanaged. Because I felt like when I was not, if something was out of place, I felt like I had some systems that were in place uh, that were not only effective, but, but well, mainly effective, right? So if something didn't go right, and he got on me for it, I got irritated. But I got, not so much that he got on me for something, it was more so that I felt like he was micromanaging me, basically. And I eventually had to have a conversation with him and say, look, I will listen, but I need, I need, I need some space. Because when I'm being crowded like that, that's when I don't perform well. So to his credit, he was like, all right, and it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to give you space, but the stuff better get done, right? And, and he had every reason to say that. And stuff got done and things went well. But the point is, he understood that even though his managing style, he wanted to be that micromanager. He wanted to be that test to push me. 
but we had to realize that that was not that was not going to end well. I was eventually going to get bitter and quit, or just say, you know, screw it. I'm not going to work hard for this guy because I don't like him. But I did like him. I mean, I did like him. I do like him. We still talk to this day. I do like him. He's a great guy. But the thing is, we had to have that talk. We had to have okay. How are we going to get the best out of our relationship? And we figured it out. And that, to me, makes him a good leader because he could then manage one of his full-time directors much better and get better production out of me. Because when I didn't feel like I was being micromanaged on the smallest details, I could focus bigger on the bigger picture stuff and make sure that those smaller details were being handled by other people. And it wasn't me that was running around making sure all that stuff got done just so that I didn't get a 5 a.m. text from my boss. And so that worked out well for us. But again, we had to come to that conclusion. But that takes the mark of a good leader in him to recognize that. And for me to be able to you know, tell him, hey, this is what I need. And he was understanding enough to say, okay, yeah, you're right. Let's do it that way. So he knew how to get the best out of me at, from then on. And it worked. I think we worked well together. Um, so when you're leading your team, you need to make sure that, again, you understand what, what it is that you're trying to accomplish, who on your team is good at what certain roles, and it is a team effort. Now, if you're trying to lead people um, and inspire people, so let's say, for example, you're an online personality or you're someone, you're an online trainer, maybe not personality, but a trainer, and you have a team of people that you are trying to inspire. So it's not necessarily a performance-based thing where you have employees that you're directing. We're talking now, you're trying to be a leader setting that example. Obviously, you need to walk the walk, right? You need to be making sure that whatever you're saying, you are doing. And whatever information you're putting out, you know is tried and true. This goes back to something that that podcast uh, from from uh, uh, Mr. Wright, Chad Wright, was talking about uh, was that he likes to do a lot of team training uh, with so his team works out together. Now this 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 hit struck really close to home to me because one of my actual mentors, uh, another guy named Chad. Um, uh, he uh, owned a gym in, in back in Kansas where I worked. He made his team work out together. He closed the gym down for an hour three times a week, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 11, for the team to work out together. Now, he didn't force us to all do the same workout, although often a lot of us would, or we'd, we'd get into groups of like-minded, you know, people. Uh, you know, had some bodybuilders, had some just straight up pure athletes and then had you know old guys like me and Chad who just wanted to you know lift heavy weight um he could I could but you know the point is we uh we worked out together so that we could learn from each other and test some of these ideas that we had that was probably the best um on the job experience that I've ever had when I worked for 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 Chad at Next Level Sports Performance and Laura his wife 
because their their model Chad loved to experiment and he liked to try new ideas and again he wanted to test it on himself before he uh, would roll it out with one of his clients and so Chad Wright the podcaster I was listening to 307 podcast he was talking about that's where he that's his testing grounds for new programs or new ways to train people he won't ever utilize something unless he's done it himself and done it with his team and made sure that it works and so if you want to be a good leader online if you have a team of people you're trying to influence uh, whether you're just a straight up uh, influencer or you're you're actually writing programs for people and you know and training and trying to lead by example and putting content out there for yourself or about yourself Make sure that whatever you are putting out there, you have tried or you have thoroughly vetted. Because a lot of times there's programs you can look at and read and like, oh, that looks great. I love that. It sounds familiar. It sounds like something I would definitely like and probably will work. You can put it out there, but it may not be the best thing. Or it just may look great on paper, but not be the best practical program. For example, one of the things that, that I, as a trainer, really like the idea of is German volume training. Um, I have done it personally. I've run a, a, a session of it. I've seen other trainers do it. Um, I've read Charles Poliquin's ideas on it. I know he's not the inventor of it, but he was probably one of the biggest proponents. Um, I like it. problem is, excuse me, I rarely take my clients through it. I might just for one day show them what it's like, and it's usually pretty brutal, but the thing is, I don't do that because the program itself from a, um, not, not from the, uh, idea behind it, but from the, um, uh, just the, the, carrying out of it, the, the nuts and bolts of it, the sets and reps of it, it's pretty basic. 10 sets of 10. Supersetting a couple exercises and then, you know, three to five sets of 10 of another superset, so on and so forth. And there's not a lot to it. So when I'm training someone, if I'm doing 10 sets of 10 of, say, a front squat and a pull-up or, you know, a front squat and an RDL or, or whatever I might pair together, that's going to be a pretty boring workout, right? And it may be intense, and it may be grueling, but at the same time, it's not going to be a very exciting workout. Now, I might choose someday to, to fully use it with a client all the way through because it might be what they want, and they might have the right personality to do that program. But I don't want to do that program. I'm not going to sit there and promote that program on, on uh, my online training because people are going to get into it and it's going to get really boring really quick. And I don't think they're going to have a lot of adherence to it. It's not an easy program to do. It's certainly not a fun program. It does yield results, but I think there's other ways of getting there. Uh, and when you're trying to change someone's life and change someone's attitudes towards exercise, you have to take that into consideration. And that's part of being a good leader is understanding the tools you have. And this is probably the biggest lesson I personally have learned. So this is the last thing I'm gonna say about, you know, just some techniques. We're gonna we're gonna make a series of this leadership thing. This is just the introduction. 
introduction. I'll put that in the notes. So this is the intro to leadership. Uh, because as I'm talking, I'm thinking about a million other avenues I want to go with this. Um, I'm just kind of spouting off the top of my head while I'm driving here. But the last thing I would want to say is, um, you know, as as you get as you try to decide what programs you're going to use for different people, and as you're trying to be that leader and and, and push your clients, um, again, the thing that I have struggled with the most is. You might know what is best. If someone asks you what is the best thing for them, and you can tell them for your situation, for your goals, for your injuries, whatever, these are going to be the best things for you to do. And you may be 100% right. But if their motivation to do those things is going to be low, you have two choices. You can dig into your bag of tricks and find something else that will work just as well or pretty close. Or you can try to figure out how to motivate them to do that. And that might mean taking a step back and running a few weeks of something else until you can get them to doing what you you know, fully want them to do. Both of which are, are acceptable, in my opinion, uh, solutions. And, and let me give you a quick example. I'm going to go way back, way back uh, to, oh gosh, I don't even know how many years, at least 15 years ago. At least, if not more than that. Uh, my ex-wife and I wanted to work out together, and she, her goal at that point was was uh, weight loss. And you know, she just said, "Okay, what's the best? Just give me the best exercise, most bang for the buck to lose some weight." And again, at that point, I knew. You know, I know my mind was thinking of her. She likes cardio, and obviously, lifting weights was part of it. So, you know, I said, "Well, we got to lift weights. Okay, we got to build the muscle." So we knew that. But then, when it was coming to picking the cardio, what was going to be the best cardio for her? uh, I shouldn't say that. What was going to be the best cardio for losing weight? I, again, talking cardio. I was talking about running because I felt and still do. That if I'm trying to drop some weight running, whether it be sprints or longer distance, when I'm picking pure cardio exercises, aerobic exercises for, for fat loss, those are going to be the ones I want. Now, do I think there's better ways of doing it, like high intensity interval training or you know uh, rows and burpees and swings? Yeah, I would utilize that first. But again, I knew. I'm looking at the equipment that I that we had in our gym, at our home gym at the time, and what I knew she liked to do, and, and all these things. The thing I did not take in, into consideration was she hated running, hated it, didn't like it, didn't want to do it. So when I suggested, when I said that, I was answering from an honest opinion. I thought running was going to be the best for her, at that for what we were trying to accomplish. I thought running was, you know, going to be the best cardio, aerobic cardio that we could pick. The thing is, I knew better. She hated it. She didn't want to run. There were better things I could have picked. Biking or, you know, uh, getting on the elliptical. Or there, there are other things that could get close that she would enjoy and stick to. So when I mentioned running, she got upset. And not mad, like, <laughs> it wasn't like... She was angry with me. It was just, she was deflated and defeated. And 
for the longest time, I was mad at her. Like, well, you asked me. I gave you the right answer. But I didn't take into consideration who I was trying to lead. Right? It's just like my, my boss micromanaging me, not getting the most out of me by letting me have some space. Right? So I should have recognized that running was not the right answer for her. It may have been the right answer to a generic question about that. And again, that's open for debate, I suppose, but that's my opinion anyways. But, it, but in this case, I should have known better. So knowing who you are or who you're training and who you're trying to lead, if you're an online uh, trainer slash influencer, you have to pick programs that you have personally done, that you are know that you know are going to get the best results, and that you have again vetted yourself, but then knowing your audience as well. So if someone said, "What's the best way to you know build and do hypertrophy?" Yeah, German volume training may be a great one, but it's probably not going to be the most practical one for me to to endorse for all of my online followers. So I have to know that. And knowing that and giving good advice that is tailored to the situation and looking at all the parameters and taking in everything around you and then coming up with solutions is the mark of a good leader. So I think what we're going to talk about next um, on the next podcast is how to evaluate all your parameters, taking stock of what you have to work with and how to get the best uh plan of action based on that and how to work with others because you might be in a situation where there's two uh, people that want to lead. In fact, let me give you a quick example of that and then then we'll be done for today. Uh, I I took a leadership program. I think this is is important kind of backing up uh, or taking a step back and giving you some insight into my leadership training. From a very early age, I've wanted to be, you know, a leader. I always felt like if I'm going to be in a class or if I'm going to be in a group, if I'm going to be somewhere, I don't want to be told what to do. I want to be, you know, part of the team that, you know, gets to say, oh, this is what we get to do. And this is how we're going to do it. Uh, and, and have some control over that. Not because I think my ideas are superior to other people, uh, simply I just like to have control. I like to have some say in the matter. If we fail, I want to know it's because I at least voiced my opinion, right? We may not have gone with my opinion, but you know, if we fail, the mission fails or whatever, I don't want to be thinking, well, I wish I had spoken up, right? That's the worst, in my opinion, for me, personally. Um, that being said, uh, so I, I've always been that way. I've always, always, always been that way. And so I did some leadership training programs in middle school uh, and early high school, the Hugh O'Brien Youth Leadership Foundation. Um, I went to a, a week-long leadership camp. And, you know, again, a lot of it's, you know, team-building uh, skills and learning how to work with others. And again, that's what we're going to talk about in the next podcast are like some specifics on what to do and how to do that. Um, but also, you know, for, for me personally, uh, learning learning those skills and, and doing some of those things put me on a path to even when I got into you know college, 
in high school, or I should say high school and college, being in leadership positions, trying to be like a class officer. Uh, uh, I believe I was secretary or treasurer or something like that. Um, being uh, being a uh, in college, you know, volunteering for uh, doing certain group activities or being being the, the the lead of those, because I wanted to make sure that you know things were done in a timely fashion, and, and I felt like if I had some say and some control in that, that that, that would help. Um, and I didn't want to be just told what to do because if we failed, I wanted to feel like. Again, I had done my part. Anyhow, uh, but I did some leadership programs uh, at uh, through through um, chambers of commerce back in Ottawa, Kansas, and, I, and I've done the one in Simpsonville, South Carolina, um, near Greenville, where I live. And both of those programs very similar. Uh, they 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 are they bring community leaders, community. Uh, people or people who are already in leadership positions and then they train them uh, to work together and to ha- how, how to come together to really impact the, the community around them. And I think these programs are great. They're a little pricey at times, but at the same time, there is a lot of value to it. I've gotten tremendous value out of both of these programs. Um, I'd like to do the Greenville one um, at some point. It's it's fairly competitive as being a bigger town so a little harder to get into and I just don't have the time right now but in one of these programs they put a bunch of us in an escape room and this is just a funny story so you have I think there were six of us Uh, all of us were um, directors owners uh, heads of positions in fact the mayor of Simpsonville (laughs) was was in this escape room with me. So we were all in there and we were trying to, you know, get through the the uh, escape room. And if you can imagine six people who are used to being being that person, being uh, quote unquote the man to step up and lead, uh, there were there were there were a lot of egos, there was a lot of um, you know push and pull. Now this was exactly why they did it, right? So there was another group of six in a different room, and you know, so we we kind of our six were like, ah, we want to win, we want to make sure that we beat the other group, right? A little competitive. But then when we got in there, we all just went in our own directions. We got in there and we thought, okay, we're all intelligent people, so we can all figure this out. Blah blah blah. But there was no structure. We just all went chaos, right? And me and this other gentleman. And I, and again, this has nothing to do with me personally or my, this is not tooting my horn at all. It just so happens that it was me and him and we, we were, uh, we were, um, trying to solve this one puzzle together, him and I, and we had, we figured it out. We got the answer and it was, that was something that needed to be done prior to another puzzle that another group of people were trying to solve right and then while they while we had that answer the the other four people were all doing something else and they were all going you know in different directions and we finally said hey wait a minute we need to stop and come together and, and, and come up with a plan 
And as soon as we came up with a plan, like, okay, who's going to do what? We're going to, and we delegated. Now, again, it wasn't like I or one person is going to run point and then everyone else reports back to them. It was each person got assigned a job based on what we thought we could do. Now, we didn't know each other that well to know who had what strength. So we kind of relied on everybody to speak up for what their strengths were, right? So my strength happened to be kind of coordinating all the information, keeping track of several puzzles going on at once and where we were in those puzzles. How close were we? Some people were very intelligent and, and could really solve these riddles quickly. So we split up into the team and my job ended up being kind of the coordinator, in other words, just kind of piecing everything together. And wouldn't you know it, we solved it and we solved it relatively quickly. The first 20 minutes was kind of chaotic. Then we were like, hey, we need to come together. And it was about putting egos aside, right? It was about like, we all wanted to be the leader. We all wanted to be the point man, but we couldn't all be the point man or woman. And so none of us were gonna be the point man. We couldn't just select one person to do that. Everybody had to do their job. But in that group of leaders, there wasn't a hierarchy, and that's not what I'm trying to say. It was that group of leaders had to say, okay, in this case, the team, it's a group effort. We all have to do our job and do our job to the best of our ability and help each other do their job. And that's what got us to our goal. Not because one per we had one like wicked smart person that could solve all the riddles or that we were looking to to solve all the riddles. And so we come out of that, that, that escape room and you know you could see on the video board the other group still scrambling to solve theirs, which they did not. Uh, again, a little competitive here. But the idea was they and that other group went in there and said, okay, we're all smart individuals. We're all leaders. We're all capable of, of solving these riddles. Let's just go and work together. And if we spread out and fan out, we're going to cover a lot more ground rather than have a system in place. And it's not to say that we were smarter than the other group, but it was about utilizing the resources and quickly identifying those, those resources, i.e. skills, and, and getting it out there. And so, to end the podcast today, again, think in terms of who you are trying to lead, what you're trying to get across as a leader, and then how are you going to not lead, that's not the right, how are you going to utilize what's around you to move the team forward or to influence the people that you want to influence in the correct way. So we're going to talk more about that next time, how to recognize what's around you and utilize your materials and your resources the best. All right, have a good afternoon. Talk to you later.